everyone. Thanks for taking time to stop by the campfire. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Summer camp provides everyone involved a great deal of fun and a surprising amount of learning. Yes, it's actually true. You can have a blast while learning things that will help you later on in life. It doesn't matter whether you're a seven-year-old first-time camper, a 16-year-old CIT, a college-age staff member, or a year-round professional with more than two decades under your belt. There is always a lot to learn at summer camp. The idea behind this podcast is to shine a light on some lessons that are learned at summer camp and figure out ways that we can apply them to our lives back home. I hope you'll hear a few bits of summer camp wisdom that you can put to work immediately in your daily life. Now, last year about this time, we were making the decision to do something no camp director I've ever heard of had to do, cancel an entire summer because of a virus. It wasn't a hopeful moment. In fact, it was one of the more challenging experiences that I've ever been through. And speaking with my colleagues across the summer camp world, they all felt the same way. Over the course of the last year, the whole summer camp industry has studied, connected with experts, and communicated with staff and families in ways they never had before. We all hoped that we'd be ready to open for summer 2021. Over the past several months, that hope turned into belief. And that belief and our plan, and our teams, and our families, and the world around us will make this summer incredible. Now, my guest around the campfire tonight has got the deepest well of information and experience and anything else about hope of any person I've ever been around. John Hamilton is the National Director of Camp Hope America and a part of the Alliance for Hope International. He collaborates with the Camp Hope America team, human services organizations, and camps or conference centers to bring a hope-filled experience to children around the country. John holds a master's degree from Western Seminary, where he focused on leadership and social justice. He specializes in forging unlikely partnerships, developing unified teams, and moving people from theory into practice. And you're definitely going to hear that tonight. This guy is a camp guy through and through, and someone who I'm very grateful to get to know. I hope, actually... I believe you're going to be empowered and enlivened as I was by this campfire conversation. All right, that's enough for me. Let's hear from my new friend, John Hamilton. John Hamilton, I am so happy to have you around the campfire. Um, Welcome. Thank you, Cole. Uh, It is an honor and just a privilege uh, to be here with you and to uh, talk more uh, about the the role of camp at a vital time um, in our world and in our country uh, the place that it can be for for kids, but also for adolescents and uh, adults as a as a path forward. And it's an essential space and place. So it's great to be with you. Looking forward to our time today. Awesome. Yeah, and it's funny you, you say. You know, we always hear that camp is about the kids, right? But when you get down to it, I think the young adult near peer staff members and us old you know folks that run camp, we get as much out of the experience as the kids do. That's right. Uh, I, I think that there's something really significant. That's part of why I think the cycle of camping is where you've got folks that have kind of grown up in it wanting to come back and be in kind of that leadership or staff role. And then there's this like kind of facade that like, oh, like I can't do this, you know, professionally. But for those of us that do, we continue to live the dream. Uh, we continue <laughs> to enjoy it and try try to inspire others in it. But uh, I, I do believe that 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 kind of camp counselor camp staff role is absolutely essential because when we, when we look at it, they are really in local parenthesis, right? Like yes. they're the ones that are the primary care providers. And so we're entrusting 
youth to be the stability in the lives of young people. Um, and so that's just such a, that's such a cherished gift and an opportunity for those, those leaders. Yeah, absolutely. So we got introduced together by um, our good mutual friend, Tracy Gaslin uh, at the ACN, uh, who had just an awesome, I had a great conversation with about preparing for, for camp and in the COVID situation that we're in. Um, and she suggested without me even saying a word, you, you have to speak to John um, about Camp Hope and all the stuff that they're doing. And I thought, man, that what a perfect way to go into the summer, that it is truly a hopeful hope-filled summer uh, mm. that we're all getting into. So what's what's Camp Hope? What's the Alliance for Hope? And, and how did you get involved? Yeah, so Camp, Camp Hope America is a, a program working specifically um, with community service-based um, organizations, often family justice centers or multi-agency organizations in the heart of communities um, working at the crossroads of domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse. So the kids that we are serving have faced some of the most significant trauma uh, in their lives uh, and uh, have been robbed of, of hope, as we all have in some capacity, but they've been robbed. And as kids, they, they didn't have a choice in that. And so mm-hmm. uh, we are an organization that serves um, our national office currently is in San Diego. I'm about to relocate to Estes Park, Colorado. And we, we oversee um, 40 plus organizations implementing and running our program in 21 states across the country at this point, um, with over 3,500 kids enrolled in year round programming, with camp mm-hmm. being obviously a significant piece in the development to kind of help um, move them in a therapeutic nature um, beyond the crisis uh, forward in a hope centered way. So we've been uh, measuring hope, working with the Hope Research Center and schools of social work. Uh, over the last, you know, seven years, uh, you know, um, specifically measuring and growing in this process of figuring out how do we increase hope, resilience, grit, gratitude, other um, things. So Camp Hope is a, is a program that is just doing some dynamic work um, in those ways. Well, I, I love that idea of, of measuring hope. Um, I remember one of my MBA professors says, if, you know, if it's important, you can figure out a way to measure it. And Lord knows hope is, <laughs> is enormously important. Um, before we get there, though, because I want to delve into that, how did you get to Camp Hope and the Hope Alliance? Because you, you come from summer camp. Yeah, yeah. So Alliance for Hope International is our is our kind of parent organization. That's the umbrella that Camp Hope America is. Camp Hope America is one of uh, five uh, primary programs um, working in, in in the part of Alliance for Hope International. And Casey Gwynn, our president, uh, former city attorney of, of San Diego, along with our CEO, Gail Strack, uh, Casey founded Camp Hope America. His dad uh, was the executive director of one of the largest camps on the West Coast. So he grew up as a camp kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. And at some point in time in 2003, as a part of um, birthing the first ever family justice center in the world, Mm -hmm. Casey and Gail saw that there was a need for kids that were entering into the walls of the family justice center right at the precipice of what, you know, adult survivors, victims of domestic violence were facing, that the kids needed something. The kids needed an opportunity and Casey said that answer is going to be camp. Uh, so for, for, for me personally, uh, Casey extended an invitation uh, over three years ago to come and join. I had been a 
the camp director uh, up in the Tahoe area uh, of Northern California for about 10 years, grew up in and around camp my whole entire life, um, but but did never, never thought I'd actually be a director. I mean, it was just kind of a dream that was out there, but uh, the opportunity to take what I was learning uh, in that space and really to try and enter into a completely different world um, you know, with, with and around uh, trauma and adversity was something that I just felt like for, for my own four daughters uh, was yeah. absolutely going to be essential because yeah. this work starts in our own homes. Uh, for me, this is work like I want to believe in a brighter future for my daughters. Um, and I think we all should be believing in a brighter future for the kids that we are uh, working with that we know more now than we've ever known before. And so it shouldn't be that the world is continuing to, to be filled with darkness. Um, if that's the case, we're focusing on the shadows and not the light. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and so uh, I really believe uh, that, that Casey invited me into my calling. Uh, he said, Hey, come and be a part of this. And uh, it's been quite a journey. I wish, I wish, I say wish, not hope uh, that I had known what I know now for the 10 years I was sitting in camp leadership as an executive director. Like, I just wish that, that had been the case because if I'd known then I would have operated programming differently. I would have cared for kids differently. All right, how so? I, I got to push you on that because I'm fascinated. How, what would, what would you have changed 10 years ago? I think uh, understanding that from a trauma-informed standpoint, right, which is an overused word from an evidence-based standpoint, we would have been trying to track, um, we would have been trying to track things differently from a research standpoint. We would have been approaching the the work um, through a lens that was not stuck in our traditions, mm -hmm. uh, not stuck in our ways of. Uh, this is how we have to do it because this is how it's been done. But we would be willing to see that camp is not completely the answer, which is kind of challenging to say in certain circles, but uh, that that the, the space and place of camp is really more so to equip uh, for life beyond. So when people take moments to be away, um, they're actually in anticipation needing to be prepared for what it is that they are returning to. Sure. Uh, and, and I think uh, going back, I think that there's ways that we could have been been better about how we were approaching you know, simply the, the games, the activities, you know, like putting kids in a pool with pool noodles seemed like a great idea or, um, you know, some of the, 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 maybe the messy games we were doing or some of the recreational activities, thinking about what group showers, I mean, facilities, structures, mm -hmm. scheduling, meal times, prayer times, like what we were conveying to, to set patterns and systems in place that are a part of the greater systems that we're, we're currently struggling to mitigate. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, trauma is not attached to a specific zip code or population. And I think that even those that we were serving could have, uh, when I was a camp director, could have received a little bit more of a, a better approach uh, to support where they were actually at versus me focusing on what I thought I needed them to understand. So um, rather than inputs, you're thinking more about outcomes. You know, when the child leaves or the staff member leaves, how does that camp experience change how they are prepared to handle the world that's coming at them? Correct. That's 100%. And recognizing not only how are they prepared for it, but that they have the ability. So we define, the, we define hope within Camp Hope America as believing in yourself, believing in others, believing in your dreams, mm. right? That's, that's not the scientific definition, but we've simplified it down so that seven-year-olds can understand that when they leave, um, regardless of the negative self-talk that may start to enter into their minds, that there's a belief in self and that there's a trust in other people when, when they 
probably are, are the the individuals, the, the, the children, the young people that should trust least in others, that they recognize that their success in life moving forward is going to come through a supportive network, right? Which we all know being in, in around camp and growing up in it, like there's something rich about the community mm-hmm. that we get that we get to experience. But I just think there, there would have been some, some focus on how we would have looked at those outcomes um, and said, what are we doing to prepare for that return so that there's, it feels like there's tools in our belt to navigate, um, you know, life, life beyond camp when it seems like things are going sideways as they have over the last, last year. I I know this question is, we don't have enough time to truly answer this question, but I'd be interested to hear your, your thoughts on it. How does a child, a seven, eight, nine year old, 10, 11, 12, however age they are, how can they get to the point where they can start trusting and believing in themselves and believing in others after what they've gone through, which is, is so heartbreaking and violating in, in creating such situations of mistrust going forward. Yeah. So I think that there's just like this understanding um, that we're, we're, we're learning more and more and more about what's happening neurologically, right? Like, so, so child psychologists have been doing tons and tons of work um, since you know, post-traumatic stress disorder really started to develop in the 80s to 90s to, to present day, where now we know that trauma is leaving marks like on our brain. And like neurologically, there's synapses that are connected to our amygdala and our hippocampus, mm-hmm. where we, we, we need positive experiences to balance and stabilize the negative ones, which is why camp is so vital in the process, yep. right? Um, but, but kids kids believing in themselves um, when they recognize that there's a goal that they have set mm-hmm. and that someone has come alongside them and said, I believe that you can do this. Mm-hmm. I want I want to encourage you to do this. And that's a goal that they've set, not one that we've set. Sure. Right. So when I've sat with kids around, around camp and, and, and oftentimes we want to push kids from a, from a place like, when we look at like a challenge by choice, a lot of it comes down to choices. So is the choice to, um, to do something that you're really not excited about? Um, or is the choice to do something that's going to be challenging to you that you can accomplish? Or is the choice going to be something that's going to put you in a panic zone, right? So is it your comfort zone, your challenge zone, your panic zone. And if we're empowering kids to step into the sweet spot of the challenge zone, well, that's a tolerable stress space to be in. That's mm-hmm. positive. Mm-hmm. That's a positive stress space. If we push kids to a, to a panic zone on a ropes element or in a whitewater rafting, we have, we, we, we need to, off. yeah, we, we need to toe the line, but right. we actually might put them into a toxic stress space. Mm-hmm. Well, the toxic stress of what we've been sitting in over the last year is exactly why we've all been traumatized in some way, shape or form. There's been uncertainty. There's mm-hmm. been unknown we don't know when the bottom of this is going to hit. We don't know how bad it's going to be. And so that constant like unknown is the part that contributes to it. So I think, you know, uh, the, 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 the short answer to it, I mean, it's a great question. We could, we could unpack that a whole lot more is, is that, is that choices matter. And when kids know that they have a voice to say their own goal, to state their own goal, and that it's going to be supported uh, when they can achieve the things that they're setting out to achieve versus feeling like they're just being put into a system that is going to say, you just need to look like what we need you to look like. And this is going to give you the success. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we need to shift our thinking and, and our programming and our scheduling and our modeling to kind of help help them understand that. Man, well, as a former sports psychologist and uh, current camp director, you are absolutely speaking my language on this idea of, of goals, community support, and, and the idea of choice. You know, there's that, that great quote um, talking about there, you have stimulus and response, and in between, you've got a space, and you get to choose from, with that space, you get to choose what's next. You get to choose the reaction. And I, I wish, I wish I had known that much earlier as a young person. Um, but if you can build that habit of of commanding that space within you, mm. and a young, and especially after you've had such and something so traumatic happen to you, gosh, I mean, what can open up for them is just it's incredible. Right, right, and that's and that's the exact space that we're sitting in right now. Is do we believe that we have a choice? Mm. Right. Do we believe that we have a choice? Um, and that's for, that's for us that are trying to, to plan camp. That's for us that are trying to make decisions each and every single day. And, and I think if we see it as a goal that we can achieve versus a goal that we are not able to set for ourselves because it doesn't seem like it's attainable, mm-hmm. then, then in that very sentiment, we're making a choice. Yep. And, uh, and so I think that it's very applicable for us um, for, for, for the leaders, for counselors, but it's going to be applicable for those that we're serving at camp. Will, will we help them believe that their choice matters mm-hmm. uh, and that their voice matters? And, and will we allow them to dream, to dream big? Yeah. Uh, because if they can dream big, then they're actually going to start to think that, that the things that they're wanting to do in this world matter. Right. So. And, and it doesn't have to come right now like I, I kate my wife kate and i have been talking a lot about this idea of 2021 and the idea of focusing on one if you change one degree today or you you smile to one person today or you make one small habit change today just those they, they accumulate and they create something that all of a sudden at the end of camp at the end of the summer at the end of the fall semester you're a, the place where you want to be and you didn't even know that you were doing it that's, that's, that's spot on. So, I, I mean, I was sitting with, uh, I mean, our, our curriculum each year, um, we, we evaluate it. We work with a committee, um, part people, folks at the, at the, the Hope Research Center at Oklahoma University, um, where we are doing all of our work around hope. And so we, we, we bake the language and the science of hope into our curriculum, mm-hmm. um, into the questions, into the truth statements, into the hope hero stories that we're focusing on. And we have a theme that's very much so connected to that basic understanding. I mean, the science of hope is that the future can be brighter than the past and you have the power to make it so. Uh, <laughs> but if it's, but if, it's that, if it's that belief that in, in yourself and in others and in your dreams, um, we had we had a young young man I was sitting with in the San Bernardino National National Forest in Southern California, mm-hmm. who had set out a, a dream for himself uh, to to go to boarding school and found out in the midst of the pandemic as everything around him was being canceled and, and taken away more trauma because you know hope was being robbed again uh, was in this spot where he's like I don't know if I'm going to continue I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm going to reapply. Right. I don't know if I'm going to, I, I was denied acceptance into this thing that I thought was my dream that a middle school teacher had helped support. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's the support. Someone else believed in me and I believed in somebody else and I pursued this thing and it didn't happen. Well, we like spent a three hour session doing some rock climbing, came down from it. We're walking back to camp, to the cabin. And, and, and he says, I think I'm going to reapply. Yes. And he doubled down, he doubled down and applied to four schools. And then on, on March 10th, I get this text. Today's the day I found out and he got in. Oh, and awesome. It was like, 
it is like, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after my dreams because my middle school teacher believed in me and you believed in me and you spoke, you spoke life into me. And, and then I had a choice and my choice was, do I, do I do the work? Do I reapply? Do I go after this? Um, and so like, you're talking about that window of choice yeah. um, and where it comes into play, it matters a great deal. And so those are the types of stories where we want to continue to like, just put the wind behind the sails of the kids that we're serving so that when they, I mean, that didn't happen. Like Diego had a moment at camp, but that was not the pinnacle moment. The pinnacle right. moment was, will I, will I do what I say I'm going to do? Um, and do I believe that I can't? Uh, absolutely. Oh, God, I love it. All right. So we got to go back to, you were talking about the, in Oklahoma, you said, uh, Institute for Hope. What was it again? Uh, we work with, so we work with the, um, Oklahoma University's Hope Research Center. Hope um, Research. So, so um, our founder, Casey Gwynn, and Dr. Chan Hellman co-authored a book called Hope Rising, um, How the Science of Hope Can Change Your Life. And, and so when we're at a point in time uh, where resilience is a huge word that is buzzing around, resilience mm-hmm. matters, but there is more published research and a consistent definition around the science of hope than there is around resilience. Um, and so Chan and Casey um, co-authored the book. All the, all the proceeds of that book go to benefit the work of Camp Hope America across the country. And it helps to tell the story of what we've been through in this process of measuring and evaluating and having evidence-based work from a programming standpoint around hope. Um, and so that's, that's been huge. And then, and then even more so, I think like this understanding of trauma informed care, we've, we've seen it evolve into, um, as we say it, uh, it's, it's gone from what is wrong with you in a situation, right. When we're sitting Mm -hmm. at camp and something happens and there's, you know, spilt milk or there's a, 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 something breaks or a kid's acting out like it's a, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you versus what's happened. Right. Uh, and then taking that question from what's happened to, to more of, what we call a part of the hope and healing, the healing centered engagement. It's an actual term from a clinical psychology standpoint yep. uh, to say, what's strong with you, mm-hmm. right? So like in that moment, if you identify where someone's been strong, uh, that's, that's beneficial. So we've, uh, yeah, we've worked with the OU Hope Research Center and Dr. Chan Hellman and his team to continue to um, try and help help kids see what's strong with them. What's oh, that's right awesome. Them. It's funny. I've, so my my minister uh, did his studying uh, out in Oklahoma, and he told us one day he said that uh, they were working with some people in some congregate care situations, and someone told, him, "Look, don't ask them how they feel. When you get up in the morning, don't ask you feel. Ask what's your plan today." Mm. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. So instead of putting it all internal, I'm going to go outside and say, right, what, what, how am I going to handle this today? It's like, that's, that's right. Yeah. So we, we, we talked to our boys. What's your plan today, boys? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Get going. Because that's, that's what it is. And I, I think another piece of that, like you've got to be able to imagine, right? Yes. And that's where, that's where camp is such a special place is that um, your imagination, um, the, the imagination of, of young people, if they can have it and tap into it, it is going to unlock so many more things in our future. And so, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. You're talking about your boys and the plan that you have for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we set out um, each year with, it's not like family resolutions. It's like, what's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my family just relocated to, to New Hampshire um, and that our family's well-being, uh, which is the outcome of hope, the mm-hmm. goal that we were setting, uh, that was, that was one of the, the primary goals we had as a family. Now, each individual 
remember has, has goals, uh, but you have to imagine yourself in those spaces and places. So if I couldn't imagine the move happening, uh, if I couldn't imagine, um, you know, running on a trail in New Hampshire or sitting by a lake, or if I, if I couldn't see myself in that spot, then I wasn't going to be able to, to try and work towards the goal. Yeah. So imagination is a, is a key piece to it. Well, and I wonder, that must be one of the reasons why it's so much more important to have those 19 to 22-year-old young men and women working with the kids in camp settings, because a kid can look at that young person and say, I can imagine getting there. But, you know, if you and I are sitting there, we're 20, 30 years removed. They, there's no way. I mean, when I would look at somebody chance. who was 47 years old, when I was 10, like they were ancient. I mean, they had a foot in the grave. You know, the older I get, the younger I feel. But, but that, that has to be something. There has to be something there with the imagination looking at those near peers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we, I mean, we, we're not going to have a better, brighter world if we don't imagine that it's possible. Right. And, and like you said, like there's going to be little steps along the way that are going to help us get there. But I think you're spot on. Um, I mean, we believe that, I mean, K- K- Casey's initial vision was that seven, eight, nine year olds needed a continuum of care. They needed a place and a community to lean on. Um, and that's why we continue to wrap them in that care and those services year round. I'm so proud of the work that like our affiliates across the country um, do on the front lines um, in these crazy spaces. But Casey's vision was that care for them at seven, eight or nine or lock them up at 17, 18, 19, because a lot of them are going to be facing um, and repeating the same cycle mm-hmm. of violence within their home. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead them down a path that isn't going to provide success. So we, we know that there's a different path that we can provide in the camp programming that we're doing. And it's a social, emotional, mental learning experience that's going to strengthen the future of our world versus <laughs> taking away from it. Yeah, I was listening to something the other day. He said that, you know, it, it takes a long time to build up something good. You know, it, it you build a skyscraper, you build a house, whatever it is, it takes a long time to do these sorts of things or a culture in a, in a camp or a business, but it takes a very short period of time to tear it back down. Mm. And so I love the fact that you guys are creating situations where you can have that equipping phase, that, that, that goal, that vision casting phase at a, at a camp, and then support the child throughout the rest of the year to, to get them to that place, help them get to that place. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and it's, I, I think, I think you're cool. That's, I mean, that's a beautiful image, right? Like of what it takes to build something. And I think it's, there's, there's no easy way to do a hard thing. Mm. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no easy way to do a hard thing. So if the hard thing is to build something and the easy thing is to take it down, well, that, that says a lot, right? Because we're, we're living in a space and time right now where uh, hurt people are hurting people. Yeah. I mean, if we think about it, our response, our stress response comes from the trauma. If we've experienced pain, if anyone listening to this has experienced pain in the last year, which we all have, if anyone's experienced stress in the last year, unlike anything you've experienced in your life, which we all have, then what is our response? Yep. And if our response is that we are hurt people that are going to hurt people, not healed people who are going to heal people, it doesn't mean that we've like arrived at some precipice of a moment, but like the kids that we're working with, they're on a path to healing, right? They're building that, that, that building that you're talking about. And it's not an easy path. It's not an easy path, but it's the one that with the right support, with the ongoing um, services, with, with moments at camp that say, you know what, I actually can accomplish things and my choices are going to matter and the goals that I'm setting for my life and something beautiful will come of it. 
Amen. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. I hope this is one of those situations where I hope everybody hears what you just said because it, it could not be more important at this time and space. Mm-hmm. Um, John, I, I could sit around the campfire with you for hours. I feel like, you know, you're my best friend that I've, I've just now met. Um, and I got a feeling that we will share many campfires uh, together going forward, but thank you for your time. Thank you for all you and your team are doing uh, to bring hope into the world for these children. And um, we're going to put the links up for the book and everything else and do all we can to support what you guys are doing because it's, it's vital in this world. So thank you, brother. Uh, Cole, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, and I likewise look forward to the next campfire we get to sit around together, and uh, thanks for the support and the opportunity um, to just kind of share the message, uh, optimistic that many people um, are going to be able to continue to do the work that is so essential um, in this time, vital, uh, I would say. So thank you for for believing uh, in our work, for supporting it, and uh, allowing us to, to make dreams become a reality. Awesome. All right. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. So I'm actually really happy this podcast is just an audio format because otherwise you would have seen two grown men smiling uh, crazily and silently snapping at each other the entire time. Around a campfire, when someone says something you agree with or want to promote, you get snaps. It's, It's a camp thing. So John's talk reminded me so much of a story that I'd heard a long time ago about three Masons, a pile of bricks, and a little old lady who was just taking a walk. As the lady walked by the work site, she asked the first Mason who was working on stuff, you know, pretty apathetically, you know, young man, what are you doing? He said, what, do you, what does it look like? I'm, I'm stacking bricks. The second Mason was a little bit more polite and answered when asked, well, ma'am, I'm building a wall. Now, the third mason this little old lady came to was very different. He was animated. He would lay a couple of bricks. He'd step back. He'd look up in the open air, and he'd smile, nod his head, and go back to work. And he'd be nodding his head the whole time like, man, I I can't believe I get to do this. Well, excuse me, sir, the little old lady said. What what are you doing? And he said, ma'am, I'm building a cathedral. The way we choose to react to that which is around us, the, the inputs that we select, the beliefs we decide upon. These all have huge impact on our lives, and they're all intentional choices. We get to choose. The young people who John and his organization teach and support need to understand that they have the ability to choose when so many terrible things have happened to them. And yet when they get to that point where they can understand, they can set goals, they can move from hope to belief Man, they really understand the power of that choice. And here's the thing. We all get to choose. We're moving into a summer filled with hope. But it's not the wishy-washy, I hope this goes well kind of feeling. It's the hopeful, and that's with two L's, summer due to all the planning, the communication, and the journeys that summer camp professionals and families alike have taken over the past many months. We believe in ourselves. We believe in those around us. And we believe the world can and is ready for an incredible summer. The work that John is doing with his team, it's just awe-inspiring. Thank you, John, for fostering that hope in everyone that you meet. Let's all get out there and let's do the same. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll share it with some friends and leave a five-star review on whichever service you're using. Our Campfire Circle is big enough for everyone to join. And the more good reviews we get, the more likely this is to spread. Now, until we speak again, go out there, do good, be good, and be hopeful.
Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.